to our Good Friday service. <laughs> we, um, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 3, where the Apostle Paul again says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. And remember again, we looked in Colossians, that the significance of this was we were delivered from the power of darkness. Amen? That entire kingdom had no more hold on us. And whatever hold it has on you, or it's lying and saying it has on you, reject it, rebuke it, cast it down, get away from it. <laughs> Amen? It doesn't have any power over you. We saw again in Luke 22, the, uh, the um, communion service with Jesus and his 12 apostles. And following this sacred, uh, very sacred act, Jesus is betrayed. Uh, Judas quietly sips out, okay? And it's very interesting that nobody thought that it was something bad. You know, in fact, in John chapter 13 and verse 29, it says, For some thought, because Jesus had the money, excuse me, Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, see, this is what they're assuming, buy those things which uh, we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. That's what they're thinking. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Could you imagine if Peter found out or James and John found out what was going on? The sons of thunder found, <laughs> found out what Judas was up to. Uh, suddenly there would be 11 disciples very quickly. And they never found the body. Well, there was a piece here and a piece. No, <laughs> you know. Seriously, man. I mean, those guys just get, get rid of a body and nobody knows, okay? And they said, God, you can thank us later, you know. <laughs> would be their attitude, man. <laughs> okay. The religious leaders, remember again, you know, they were looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. Jesus had humiliated them because they humiliated Jesus. He had, they had come against him because he was upsetting their religion. Isn't it interesting? All of what they did was meant to be based on him. And there he was standing in the midst of them and they rejected him. Which is really interesting when you think about that, that religion rejects truth. That's why we don't like religion. But I do like pure religion, what the Apostle James calls it. Because, uh, you know, I, I think the Apostle James had to uh, redeem that word. So he said, look, religion is bad, but pure religion, that's good. So, you know, he talks about pure religion, and we, we know his book to be the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I love a lot of his teaching. He's, he's one of those straight down the line guys, you know. And so I like that. I think, you know, when religion is pure, it is focused on God. When it is messed up, it's, it's something else. And you need to not be there. Okay. So remember again that the religious leaders were looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. And, you know, their motivations were entirely demonic. That's brought out in John chapter 8 and verse 44 when Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. I think it's important that Jesus said he was a murderer. See, what's going to happen to Jesus Jesus isn't going to be killed. Jesus is going to be murdered. Do you understand the difference? You know, murder is the shedding of innocent blood. When the Bible says, thou shalt not kill, it doesn't say thou shalt not kill. Do you know that? People say, you know, conscientious objectors and everything. They say, well, no, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. It actually doesn't. The Bible says thou shalt do no murder. You will not shed innocent blood. Do you understand? Amen? And... Uh, it's really interesting that Jesus identifies these people as belonging to the devil and that he was a murderer, a shedder of innocent blood from the beginning. 
because they are going to make sure that Jesus is murdered. Not for any religious purposes, for them. Because they wanted him out of the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, because it was a pain to them. So following the Last Supper, after Judas has left, Jesus encourages his disciples to love each other and goes on to make one of the most definitive statements ever recorded in all of Scripture. That is in John 14 and verse 6 when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is after the Last Supper. This is, these are some of the things that he said. Do you understand now why he said that? It was his, it was his last hours, and he wanted to make sure everyone, everyone knew that he was the way, the truth, and the life, because a lot of lies were going to come following his death, especially in those three days and three nights. Amen? In between, before he resurrected. And just three verses later, he goes on to reveal who he really was by saying to Philip in uh, John 14, 9, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? You know what's so beautiful about that? That Jesus had compassion. That Jesus never turned anyone away from being healed. That everyone that came to Jesus, he took in. He loved. Even the adulteress, he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. He was always loving. He was always giving. And he said, you know what? Everything you thought about the Father has been wrong if it's not this. And when he said, you know, when he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, that was the Father speaking. And so while everybody was preaching that, oh, God will come and test you and try you and make life miserable for you, Jesus said, no, he came to give you life. And I'm here to let you know it's abundant. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, after this, Jesus and his disciples get up and leave to go to a garden called Gethsemane. And here's where Jesus laments over his coming crucifixion with Matthew chapter 26 now. We're going to go there and look at verses 36 through 50. I'm just going to read them. I'll try. <laughs> then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. Yes, good, very good. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, isn't it interesting what, yeah, see, isn't it interesting what Jesus did? He leaves the other nine and takes these three. But remember, there's not nine there, there's eight. Remember, Jesus, Judas slipped out. He hasn't come back yet. Okay. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to de death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that needs to be our prayer. Whenever we're facing difficult situations, you know, there are some things. This isn't God testing and trying us. There are some things that are difficult. But if you go through, if you do what is necessary. See, we're not looking for an easy life. We're looking for God's perfect will. <laughs> because we live in a fallen world, things aren't easy. If we lived in paradise, it would be fantastic. But we live in a world where the, the power of darkness is constantly opposing light. Do you understand? But greater is he that is in you than whatever is coming at you. Especially because of today, because of what Jesus did. So we need to understand that some days there's a fight. Some days, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh says forget about it. You know what I'm trying to say? We need to get the flesh in line. We need to say, flesh, we need to do this. Amen. And because Jesus died, see, Jesus was asking about something that 
none of us, thank God, have need to ever go through because he went through it. So we can't apply this too, too much in our life because he made sure that he died so we wouldn't. He made sure that he went to hell so we wouldn't. Amen? And he, he defeated the devil so that we too could. There's a plus. <laughs> okay. Amen. And so we need to know this family. We need to understand this. All right. Verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. This is very prophetic, isn't it? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember, very soon Peter is going to deny him three times. The flesh was weak. Okay. And again, the second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were, were heavy. Luke adds here that, that they were exhausted from sorrow. See, they are sad too. They're not just sleeping because they're sleeping. They, they are, have you noticed that when you're going through something really difficult, it puts a strain on you? It, it just takes away so much of your energy and you just feel lethargic and you just want to go lie down half the time. You know what I'm saying? They know he has told them this is his last hour. And you, you, you need to understand that he was their meal ticket. Okay, Everything good that happened in their life was because of him and he's about to go. This is a very difficult thing. This is like saying goodbye to someone on their deathbed. Do you understand? It is exhausting. Amen? Emotionally. And this is the place that they're in. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And even as he said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, I'm in Matthew 26, 47, arrived with a mob that was armed with swords and clubs and had been sent out uh, they had been, excuse me, they had been sent out by the leading priests and other leaders of the people. Judas had given them a pre-arranged signal. I'm reading, by the way, from the New Living Translation. He says, you will know which one to arrest when I go over and give him the kiss of greeting. Can you believe this? Okay. So Judas came straight to Jesus and says, greetings, teacher. He explained and gave him the kiss. You think something is wrong with this picture? Judas is excited, and there's a mob behind him. What's wrong with that picture? Uh, what's going on? <laughs> Why are you happy and there's such an such a angry mob behind you? You know, don't try to fool God. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Watch how gracious Jesus is. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others, that's the priest God, grabbed Jesus and arrested him. However, before they did, John puts in a few more details. I love John's details. See, that's why I love the Gospel of John. You know, he saw Jesus for not just the human aspect, but for the God aspect. That he was God. And so he puts this in, in his uh, Gospel. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. In the original text, the word he is actually not there. Do you know what Jesus said, in fact? Jesus just said, I am. Remember what Moses, remember when God sent Moses? 
And they said, who shall I say sent me? God said, not I was, not I will be, but I am. Right now, whatever you need. <laughs> okay, I added that last bit. That word, that, that phrase, I am, means God. They understood that. And watch what happens. <laughs> it says, he says, I am. And it says, and Judas also who betrayed him also stood with them. Now, when he had said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Who's in charge here? The mob or Jesus? <laughs> you know, he could have just walked off. You know, they're all incapacitated. They're all on the ground. Let's just walk out of here, boys. Amen. But if he did, we'd still be in a mess. That's why I said you need to, you know, as much as we see what happened, you know, leading up to the crucifixion, we need to see everything that happened. We need to understand that there was not one moment in time that Jesus was not in charge of everything that was going on, so to speak. The way things were going, didn't, they didn't happen the way they should have happened. But they still happened. He allowed it to happen, even though... See, can I just say this? Sometimes it looks like the devil's in charge of what's going on in your life. Sometimes you feel like, you know, he's got the upper hand in your life. He never has. If God is with you, who can come against you? Romans tells us that. Do you understand? So you need to understand that even though things may look a certain way, that's just the way they look. That's not the way they are. God will always turn the tables. You need to know that, family. And Jesus had enough faith to know that even though this thing was going not in the way that it should, yes, he was meant to be sacrificed, but it wasn't meant to be done this way. You know, when the priest took the lamb, it was a perfect lamb, number one. And what they did was reverently before God. Do you understand? What's going on here isn't that. But it still is going to do what it was meant to do. Pay a price. Amen? Accomplish what was necessary. All right. <clears throat> so I've said here, in other words, Jesus could have walked away from this at any time, but he chose not to. In fact, Luke's gospel gives us even more details with Luke 22, verses 49 through 51, saying, When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen... They said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? You know who's saying this, right? There's Peter and the sons of thunder. James and John. Yeah, you know, those three, they're like, with they're his personal bodyguard. You know what I'm saying? Anybody touch him, they won't have a hand anymore. Suddenly it's not there. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You need to know. And these guys were there to protect him. Remember when the kids were trying to get to him? Get away, get away. It's not those little kids. And Jesus said, let them come, man. It's okay. Let him through. <laughs> no? Okay. Hallelujah. Not that Jesus needed protecting. <laughs> anyway, sometimes we get a little enthusiastic, don't we? All right. So, <laughs> uh, verse 50. And one of them, we know this to be Peter, by the way, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. I don't think he was aiming for his right ear. I think he was aiming dead center, and the guy ducked. You know, and the ear went off. It's like, oh, and Jesus is going, oh, gee, you know, this is not what we're here to do. So, <laughs> but Jesus answered, said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Wow. In the midst of betrayal, in the midst of all this anger and hatred and no faith whatsoever. I can't do this because there's no faith in the place. Oh, grow up. <laughs> I don't know how many people have said that. 
It's like, family, this, look at this. This is not the best situation. There's no praise and worship here. <laughs> I'm just, I want to make a point. There's no anointing anywhere to be found. Amen. You know, the, the priests, that have, the, the gods that have come to kill him, Judas is betraying him. The, the, all these apostles, they ain't walking in love. They want to kill something back. Amen. Uh, can you tell? You, you can see there's no like real awesome anointing here. Can you tell? Okay, you know what I'm trying to say? And he heals him. Right in the middle of all of that. Because while they're trying to destroy, Jesus is restoring. Hallelujah. Constantly. Extraordinary display of faith and power. And anyway, Jesus allows himself to be arrested. And according to Matthew 26.50, then he says, then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him after they got off the ground, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> <It's> truly. <laughs> what Let me just say this as well, family. I need to make another point here. Don't think the power of God is going to make everybody go weak at the knees and say, well, God must be real because we've seen supernatural things today. Can you see what happened here? Even after that happened, they still got up and arrested him. I told you this before. Your will is sovereign. It is the one thing that God won't trespass. Do you know that? People say, well, you know, God will choose and God will make people do it. He never, he can't make anybody do anything. Because if he could, the moment that Jesus died and, you know, went to hell and did what he had to do and was resurrected, he would have made everybody get saved. There wouldn't have been a question. The son paid the price, went through this horrific experience. You will be saved. That would be the end of it, but he didn't. After all of that, that's, that is the sin that sends you to hell. That everything has been done. And if you say no, that's on you. Amen? Moving on. What follows is the furthest thing from justice. With Matthew 27 verses 1 and 2 saying, Very early in the morning, Matthew 27 1, the leading priests and other leaders met again to discuss how to persuade the Roman government to sentence Jesus to death. What a sweet group of people. <laughs> then they bound him and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, in the meantime, the devil does what he does best. He condemns Judas for everything that he himself enticed Judas to do. And Judas goes and hangs himself. Don't do anything with the devil. He will get you one end and the other. First to tell you, nobody will know. Nobody will see you. As soon as you do, everybody knows you did that. You are a horrible sinner. And then you know. Okay, that's how he works. Isn't it interesting that God says that he, God always covers for you. You do something wrong, he'll just cover for you and say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll take care of it. The devil does. And he's the one that tried to stop you from doing it to start with. Are you all with me? Isn't it interesting how the devil does the exact opposite? He pushes you to do it and then announces it to everyone. That you, doesn't, let him, doesn't let anybody know he pushed the person to do it. Just lets you know, lets them know you did it. How could you? That. Okay, so Judas is out of the picture now. <laughs> Returning to Matthew 27, verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the Roman governor Pilate. I'm taking a lot of things out, okay? We need to race through this. And the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say. Verse 12, but 
when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply. See, he's not going to open his mouth. Do you know why? When you're talking to a mob, nobody listens. You can raise your voice, nobody listens. They just drown it out. You know why? Because people don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. Amen. Verse 14. But Jesus gave, gave no reply, not even, a single, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom to release one prisoner to the crowd each year during Passover celebration. Anyone they, that's a crowd, wanted. This year, there was a notorious criminal in prison, a man named Barabbas. You all know this, right? Verse 17. As the crowds gathered before Pilate, Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? And I love this. He didn't just say Jesus. He said, who is called the Messiah. Hint, hint. I love Pilate, man. I mean, he is doing his. He didn't need to, but he did. Amen. Okay. And uh, verse 18, he knew very well that the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Did you see that? He knew that this was just a mock trial. This was ridiculous. Verse 19, then, just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. Remember, murder, innocent blood. Leave that innocent man alone because I had a terrible nightmare about him last night. Even the wife is getting in on this. They're the religious people. Here are the heathens. The heathens are doing better. Welcome to a heathen church. <laughs> hey, we're all heathens, man. I mean, we're all from that group. Thank God, you know. Hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus. Anyway, back to this. I am very proud to be a heathen, okay? Because <laughs> them other fellas did very bad things. Okay. Uh, verse 20. Meanwhile, the leading priests and other leaders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. Can you believe this? Okay. Verse 21, so when the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back the reply, Barabbas. Verse 22, <laughs> he's still pleading for him. But if I release Barabbas, Pilate's asking them, what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Yeah, a bunch of, anyway, okay. <laughs> you got to see what's going on here, man. You just you really need to see it. And they all shouted, crucify him. Pilate doesn't leave it alone. He could have stopped there. What does Pilate turn around and go, why? Can you see something going on here? Huh? Can you see that Pilate has declared Jesus innocent? Remember the lamb had to be without spot or blemish before it was put to death. Because it had to be a perfect sacrifice. The priests weren't doing it. So guess what's going on? God is... We, we have heard stories, and I, I choose to believe it, it true. They're not in the Bible, so it's a choice you have to make. That Pilate actually got saved. And uh, the Ethiopian church actually has records of his salvation and some great things that he, he did following this incident. That he knew that Jesus was remember the Messiah. If you confess him as Lord, what happens? You get saved. Pilate's getting saved over and over again. Can you see this? He is getting saved. He is saying the Messiah. 
the he is saying to them, this is the Messiah. What is wrong with you people? Okay, I, I need you to see this. That's why Jesus would say, remember, when he was dealing with the Roman centurion, that the time is going to come when people are going to come from the east and the west, talking about all of us, and they're going to get in the kingdom. Hallelujah. And we're going to be sitting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And these people who are meant to be in the kingdom are going to be down in hell, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth when they see us up there with them. Hallelujah. Nice to know. So, verse 23. Hurry up. <laughs> Pilate says, why? What crime has he committed? See this? Pilate's asking a very specific question. He said, you want him dead? Why do you want him dead? What are his crimes? Everything I have heard, I have seen. See, the Roman government was keeping tabs on everybody. You know they're not stupid, right? Hello? They would have sent out soldiers to see what was going on. I will guarantee you soldiers would have come back healed. And said, so that dude, he all talks about love. And you know, I had this really funny rash. You know. Anyway, and so it was, it's gone. <laughs> I'm making a joke here. Okay. Uh, you know, and it's suddenly gone. And, and then the pain that I had, has gone too. And this guy, you know, he, we were trying to get him ready. And he was just failing at everything. Now he's doing really well. Do you know what I'm trying to say? They would have had reports come back saying he's not a threat to Rome at all. All he does is preach love, forgiveness. Don't be so difficult on everybody, which is good for us, the Romans, okay? <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? And he heals everybody so the hospitals aren't all crowded out. This is a good thing. Can I, can I just throw that in? Now you can understand why Pilate is going, what has he done? Because all of the, uh, I'm adding things. Can I just add a few things, please? All of the reports I've got back have said that he's an innocent person, has only done good, ever done good, never ever even spoken badly about people that deserve to be spoken badly about. Why are you wanting to kill him? Amen? Okay. I want you to understand the price that was paid for you. I want you to understand that Jesus was innocent. And we, when we declare him as Lord of our life, we receive that innocence. And he takes our guilt. Amen. And so he says, what crime is he committed? But the crowd only roared the louder. Crucify him. Pilate, see, I told you, they don't want to hear. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. See, he can't talk anymore. So he's going to do something. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of the blood of this man. The responsibility is yours. See, he couldn't say anything because they're making such a racket now. So he does something. He gives them a visual. Smart, isn't he? Can't talk over the crowd. Didn't have a PA. Okay. So he says, bring me some water. I want to show them something. This is not on me. This is on you. You are going to remember this picture when you're in hell, is what I'm saying. Okay? That's what's going to happen. Seriously. They're going to see Pilate washing his hands of this. And they're going to see this. And they're going to hear them saying in verse 25, and all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. And they did. There is no big secret about why the Jews got so persecuted and all the stuff that happened to them. It's here. It's right here. 
Verse 26, so Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with the, this is what they needed to do now. This is what he was trying to stop. Do you understand why he was fighting so hard? With the lead-tipped whip, uh, lead whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. What would happen a lot of times is that people would die at the flogging. They would never get to the crucifixion. I think Pilate was almost praying that that would happen because he really didn't want this to happen. But it needed to happen. So following this sad and terrible series of events, it goes in to say, verse 33, Matthew 27, 33, Then they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means Skull Hill. The soldiers gave him wine mixed with bitter gale. When he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Notice he wasn't wearing poor clothes. They weren't rags and tatters. They were, they were gambling to see which one gets it. Interesting. For your sakes, he was made poor, that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. Amen? And then they sat and kept God as he hung there. A signboard was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It didn't say murderer. It didn't say thief. It didn't say heretic or a blasphemer. Thank you. This is Pilate's doing. It says, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. Pilate did this on purpose to show his objection to what the Jews had done. And it worked because the Jews reviled when they saw it. And they demanded to be taken down, but Pilate refused to do it. All right? And besides, prophecy demanded it. So, Matthew 27, verses 45 through 51, it says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The whole point of this is that he was all man and all God. Okay? He had to let go of the God part of him to die because God can't die. So this was the point in time when he let his God part go. And a man had to go to hell to pay the price. A man had to die because a man sinned. Do you understand this now? So something very significant is, significant is going on here. Jesus is separating himself from the God part of him so that he could die as a man, because only a man could die. And a man had to pay the price. Hallelujah. Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. Verse 48. One of them ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a stick so he could drink. But the rest said, leave him alone. Let's see whether Elijah will come and save him. Aren't they wonderful? Verse 50. Then Jesus shouted again and gave up his spirit. Verse 51. At that moment, the curtain in the temple... This is what separated the Holy of Holies, okay, from the rest. Was torn in two from top to bottom. This is incredibly significant. Notice where it's torn from. Not from the bottom to the top. This is a very high curtain that's about this thick. Do you understand what's going on here? There's an angel standing there and he rips the thing apart. They've got some very strong angels. Hello. From top to... If somebody was standing there watching this, it would have freaked them out. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, you, you just imagine yourself standing there and this massive thick curtain begins to tear from the top all the way to the bottom. The barrier between God and man was removed. Do you hear me? And it says, they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. For you were slain 
and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Everyone, okay? Verse 10, he didn't stop there. He didn't just redeem us. It says, and have made us kings and priests to our God. Something that never existed in the past together like this. David came close. He was sort of in the priestly ministry and he was a king. But I tell you, the sort of kings and priests you are, are the godly kind. Amen. Hallelujah. That's who Jesus is, king of kings. He's not, it's not natural kings. It's all of you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is the reason why the New Testament, as New Testament priests before God, we can now go to God at any time and confess our sin. According to 1 John 1, 9. Remember again, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please take that to heart. Every time you hear it, don't go, oh gosh, I've heard that a hundred times. You need to hear it another hundred. You need to realize that that is your ticket out. Every time something goes wrong, you confess it, you acknowledge it. You are not just forgiven, but you are cleansed of all unrighteousness, which means as far as God is concerned, the next thing you're going to do wrong is the first thing that you're going to do wrong. Amen. The slate is clear. Hallelujah. Return in Matthew 27, the latter half of verse 51, on through to verse 54, it says, The earth shook, rocks split apart. Verse 52, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. This is freaking everybody out. Verse 53, after Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs and cemetery, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Can you just imagine what the, the chief priests and all them fellas that murdered everybody is thinking right now? That's grandma out the door. What is grandma doing out there? She died a long time ago. I buried her. I did the funeral service. Amen. Verse 54. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, did you notice? It said they. They had never seen anything like this before. Something extraordinary had happened. And they said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you will be saved. A whole bunch of Roman soldiers just got saved. Can you imagine what's going on here? Can you imagine the devil going, No! No! What is going on? <laughs> this is meant to go the other way! People are getting saved all over the place. First Pilate, now his soldiers. Now... <laughs> Verse 57, let's continue and then let's finish off. It says, as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who was one of Jesus' followers, went to Pilate, verse 58, and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. See, Pilate had no problems with this. The, see, the Jews didn't want this to happen. They want to keep an eye on the body. They wanted the body. Because they're going to say, well, somebody might come and steal the body and say he resurrected because that's the next thing that's meant to happen. Besides all their relatives coming back out of the ground. <laughs> okay? Can you see how religion wants to remain blind? Turn a blind eye to everything that is going on? Can you see how demonic that is? Okay. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a long linen cloth. I, know, I want you to notice that Joseph wrapped this body. There was no way this body, if it was alive, could unwrap itself. You know, well, Jesus didn't really die, see? He was just kind of a bit unconscious, and they put him in there as if the Romans don't know what a dead body looks like. Hello. 
These are people that conquered most of the world. They don't know. Oh, I didn't know. Give me a break. You know, that's stupid thinking, okay? So they knew what a dead body looked like. But, you know, there's people that say, well, you know, he might have not been really dead. And, you know, but can, can I just say this? What happens even if you're not dead and you're wrapped like this with a cloth? Not lots of little shreds. You die. You got up. You went, oh, nuts, and dropped dead three days later. Okay, <laughs> okay there's no way. Not with all the blood and everything else that's going on. Verse 60, he placed it in his own tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. Notice, in his own, and it says new tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance, and he left it. This was another prophecy fulfilled, which was in Isaiah 53, which says his grave was assigned. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible because it was the only one that got it right. All the others just are very confusing. It says his grave was assigned with wicked men. So he was assigned a grave with the wicked, you know, because of the death. Okay? All right. But it says yet, I like the word yet, he was with a rich man in his death. He was assigned a grave, but he never went there. A rich man came and claimed his body. Amen? Isn't that brilliant? Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. As to what happened next, during those three days and three nights, he was dead. Jesus himself explained that in Matthew 12:40. He says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The truthfulness of this is confirmed in Ephesians 4:9, where it says, Now this he ascended. What does it mean? Or why say that he ascended unless he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? This was a time of intense pain and suffering perhaps even more than the crucifixion itself, with Satan unleashing all of his anger and frustrations and fury upon him. Can you imagine how much hatred there was there? He had defeated the devil on every, at every turn. He was healing people, he was redeeming people, restoring people, giving back their dignity, giving back all kinds of body parts. I mean, he just kept doing it. That's why the Apostle John says, for this purpose, the Son, uh, the, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen? And he did that really well. So after all that humiliation, the devil finally had him. But little did the devil know what God was really up to, because the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, For had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Big mistake. Huge mistake. This was the price that had to be paid to redeem the entire world back to God and restore everything that was lost at the fall, spiritually and positionally. And why the Apostle John wrote, and we'll finish with this scripture, in Revelation chapter 1, the latter half of verses 5 and 6, to him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All because of the cross of Christ. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for being here.